Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by From Within Records. On January 29th, pre-orders for the Human Work LP from Warren go live, and they will also be premiering a new song, which I'm so stoked about. Also on that day, Shackled will be performing a live stream with Hate56, so please make sure to come out and support that. It's going to be super awesome. Also, we can still expect the payback discography on CD, the new Striker EP, so many awesome things coming from from Within Records. So like I always say, if you're not following them on Twitter or Instagram, please do yourself a favor and go follow them to stay up to date on all the awesome news. And please, like I always say, support From Within Records because they support us. On today's episode, we managed to track down Chris Linkovich. He sings for a band called Cruel Hand, plays bass in Terror. And this was uh, super awesome for me because I'm a huge Cruel Hand fan. So being able to sit down with Chris and pick his brain about the band, and we go pretty deep, uh, it, it was super awesome for me to, to just be able to talk to him and for him just to be an open book about everything, not shy about any questions that I had. So it was super awesome, and I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So please strap in, and without further ado, welcome Chris Linkovich to the show. Right, and we're live welcome to the podcast chris how's it going we're live oh well i say live <laughs> but uh it's right. just us recording okay okay cool i'm good i'm good how are you doing um if, if i'm gonna be honest i I've, I've been better i'm a little under the weather if i'm gonna be completely honest i literally i, I literally threw up before i got on the call with you and i was like freaking out because i was like ah oh, like i i can't miss this opportunity <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> and i was like I, I have to get this done because i was like i don't want to seem like a flake so i was yeah. just you know trying to uh you know just rest up and get better and like the last like seriously like the last two hours i was like stressing out like am i gonna make it i don't want what to is, is it a, is it serious is it a stomach flu is it a stomach is it covid what is it it might be covid if i'm being honest i i'm, okay. I'm, I'm getting tested tomorrow so this yeah. is this is going to be my second time getting tested first time was negative but yeah. but tomorrow I think it might be I think this is it. Be, yeah. I think this is it if I'm being Jackpot. honest. Yeah. So you know you I did it. Made it through 2020 without catching it, but you know here we are early 2021, and I think I finally got it, which sucks because because uh, I, I I rarely get sick. So uh, yeah, like the the past couple of days I could have sworn it was just like food poisoning or something because mm. I was just you know I was just like feeling like a little under the weather. And then I went to work today and I was just like, I can't do this. And like, I was like getting like these weird, like cold sweats. So I, I just left. I was like, I can't oh, do this. Shit. Yeah. So I was just like, I got to fucking go. Yeah. 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 Don't, you don't want to be the super spreader. That's what, yeah, that's what I was worried about. I was like, Oh, <laughs> people are trying to like, people are trying to talk to me. I was like, I, I'm getting out of here. Sorry guys. But, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. But fuck it. We're here. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. I never would have imagined uh, that I'd be sitting here with you talking or, you know, what we're going to be talking about cruel hand, which 
I'm like, you know, such a huge fan and I'm just super stoked that you were down to to do the podcast because when I reached out, I I felt like it was just kind of random and I Mm -hmm. I, I was just uh, stoked that, uh, you know, you were into the idea. Yeah, I I remember, um, I think I kind of, I kind of let that message kind of sit in there for for a minute, I think too, right? I didn't respond right away, Mm -hmm. I think. And um, nothing personal. I was just kind of like in a weird head headspace you know with everything with like the sudden when was that that was like months and months ago right yeah it was a minute ago if i'm being honest yeah i mean i was kind of like in a, i've been in a weird headspace just like uh especially early on when everything hit and like the whole all their plans for the year kind of shit the bed and um and any and and just the future being so unclear i was kind of in a weird just like a I say it all the time, an existential crisis kind of thing. I was just kind of, kind of freaking out in my own, in my own way. And, uh, and I was like, I was letting, even, even now I still like, I, you know, I get a lot of messages from friends or, or emails and it's hard for me to, to, uh, to be motivated and to respond to people. I don't know. It's just, I'm, I'm in a weird, it's a weird thing. The whole year has been weird for me, but uh, I'm feeling pretty, I'm feeling you know, pretty good now. And, and, uh, stoked that the records coming, the EP is coming out and there's opportunity to talk to people about it and podcasts and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, I think things are, things are doing, uh, are, uh, looking, uh, up for, uh, finally for the meantime, you know, so stoked for that. Okay. Uh, I, I want to build up to the new EP, uh, yep. but, but I'm curious, uh, for, for you, were you, um, born and raised out there in Maine? Uh, I was born in Connecticut. Okay. Um, and my dad's side of the family, they're all from Connecticut. Uh, and he had my, his elder, his first child, my older brother, uh, in the Philippines. And then he brought my mom and my brother back home to Connecticut where he was from. They stayed there for three years. I was born and then we went directly to Maine where there was a Navy base. Okay. And what was it? Where, like? where are you? Uh, me, I, I live in California. I'm like, uh, Oh, okay. I wasn't sure actually. Yeah, no, it's okay. all good. I, I live in uh, Anaheim. So like right by Disneyland. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, but I, I'm curious, like for you growing up there um, or out there in Maine, uh, how did you stumble upon hardcore? Cause when, when I think about, the scene in general uh you know mm-hmm. maine's not like a super hot spot for for hardcore and it's like you know like from yeah. where i'm at to where you're at it's like you know complete opposite sides of the country and yeah it, it, it's pretty uh you know insane to me that someone so far away in such like a remote location uh you know could discover hardcore and then even start such an awesome band like cruel hand <laughs> uh i think um that time in the nineties and the, like the mid, the mid nineties there in Maine and the East coast, like, especially where I'm from, uh, just the area I'm living down East, uh, Maine, uh, there was kind of like a really cool thing happening at that time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it just so happened to be like this time and place thing. Um, and we were, uh, so it started cause a buddy, we were like sixth grade, you know, like little kids, he was at the mall. Um, some hardcore kids were like bumming change and they hooked him up. Him and his dad hooked him up and they're like, Oh, come, come to the show this weekend. 
and it just we didn't he had no idea what it was mm-hmm. i think we had already like been um going to concerts you know like alternative rock concerts. we went and saw like bush that was like our first concert that we went to okay so uh we went to this this show thinking we didn't know what it was we didn't know it was hardcore but then uh that kind of got the ball rolling there we're like well this is crazy we went you know rocking like you know thinking we were going to like a rock concert it turns out to be this like grimy little spot in portland called zoots and it just kind of like the next day it was like cut off camo cargo shorts and like shaving my head and like bald chain necklaces and shit like that like so it just switched everything right away and then we were kind of uh that was it turns out you know we're discovering now like local like the local scene like local bands and in our area there was stuff going on uh guys from like like uh ian mcfarland from blood for blood he was he's from the area uh and his band polyglot uh, they were always playing. We were going to those shows and, um, and it just kind of like, you know, it snowballed from there kind of. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, uh, since way back then, like you just became a lifer like overnight. Yeah, I guess it's just kind of like, I kind of, uh, I felt comfortable there. I didn't really feel like the need to like, to kind of look outside that, I guess. It's really, it was weird. It was like, okay, I figured, I'm like, this is, this is me. This is it. And, um, obviously the scene, you know, I think everywhere they kind of like, you know, they, they, they fluctuate and things like, you know, they're going up and down and, uh, especially here in Maine, uh, and you start discovering other stuff. Like I remember for a few years, it was like when the hardcore shows died down, uh, we discovered, you know, it was like, you know, punk and ska and things like that. We had like a, we had like a, a like a ska band too going at the time. And then once, uh, once we realized that hardcore was coming back, we we're like, we had, uh, we just, it just kind of picked up again and we were, uh, just more active. We, we like, we, our hardcore, we had two bands going at the same time. We had like the ska, like punk band. And then we had like our hardcore band called Head Stomp that was like named after sick of it all GI Joe head mm-hmm. And so we were kind of like balancing these two bands in school. And, uh, we just made the, we're like, I'm throwing out the plaid pants. I'm doing the hardcore thing, uh, from now on. And, uh, and I guess even at the time too, like the internet started kind of like being, uh, you could discover like you could get online and you could see like, where the shows were and what was happening and, uh, and discover bands that way too. Uh, so yeah, we were at this weird place where it was like pre-internet post-internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, it's kind of interesting to think that there was even a time before the internet, you know? So <laughs> Yeah. That is strange to think about because for, for me, when I first got into hardcore, uh, yeah. I was a freshman in high school, so um, MySpace was yeah. the thing. So that was uh, where like yeah. all my friends and um, everybody just stayed connected, and that's how we found out yeah. about bands and uh, you know shows going on either in our town or um, you know just a couple hours away. So I um, I, I wasn't uh, you know fortunate enough to to know what it was like before the internet era when it comes yeah. to hardcore and having to you know 
uh, go and discover shows or go find all the local people and, you know, seek it out that way? Yeah, we would get like, you know, you'd go, it feels like even like the record store is like a thing of the past now. And it was like, you'd go to your record store, you'd go to the bulletin board and you'd see the show flyer or you'd pick up the local, like, you know, the local paper publication and you'd find the show listing for the particular venue or something. And you'd be like, Oh my God, you know, we're going there. Or like, uh, uh, you know, our, our radio station here in Maine, like the alternative rock radio every Sunday or Saturday, I can't remember. They would have like a local, they do, they still do it. Actually. It's called, um, that's slipping my mind for some reason, but, uh, you could hear, they would play hardcore and they would play local stuff and they would play like stuff up that was coming out and like victory records and shit like that. And you could discover it that way. So we were like discovering things that way. And he's announcing shows on the radio and you're finding in, in paper publications and, and you're pulling the flyers off of like windows and you're putting them and you're keeping them. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. It's weird. <clears throat> Yeah, I miss uh, stealing flyers. There was a venue uh, out here. Well, um, it, it used to be um, an active venue, but they closed down like a long time ago. It was called the Showcase Theater in Corona. Yeah, 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 yeah. We played there with Outbreak like years and years ago. I think maybe just maybe once, and it was awesome. I had the show on like a DVD somewhere, even. And, and oh, really? It was yeah. It was a it was awesome. If anyone's listening to this and uh, they have a copy of that, send it my way because. I remember the show was great. I love that venue. The venue was fucking was perfect for hardcore. Yeah, and, and they always had like these awesome, like these giant flyers that they would just have up on the walls as you were walking in. Mm-hmm. And it was always the the move. Whenever the, the show was over, people would just grab the ones that they wanted, and uh, you know they would just try yeah. to keep it as neat as possible because they'd wanted to take it home and frame it. And it, yeah. it, that was always cool because it was always something awesome to, to look forward to having like such an awesome flyer for an upcoming show. And it, it was just normal to to just rip it off the wall, even though you know people work so hard just to staple it up there. Yeah. Yeah. I have a pretty, my, my flyer collection is pretty, pretty sweet from, from, uh, back in the days, you know, and, uh, I'll always, that's something I'll always, I'll always have those memories that, you know, tucked away for, for whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? It's always fun to look back because sometimes you'll look at those and trip out on some of the, the, the lineups like you, you'll remember or yeah. you'll see bands that weren't as big in their career at, at one point, you know, playing with all these other bands. And Oh, yeah. Fun. I bug out when I, I look back and I see Hatebreed playing under, you know, like the local main hardcore bands, you know, coming up from Connecticut and, and like and, you know, playing like like opening the show and having a little description under the band and be like, you know having to describe who they are and like where they're from, like before people had any idea, you know, it's just crazy to think that there was a time like that for, for, for them, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Cause by the time I saw Hatebreed live for the first time, they were already super huge. So I always yeah. um, you know, like to fantasize and wonder what it would be like to uh, catch them in those old days. Yeah. Crazy, man. Love it. Okay. So I, I want to talk about uh, uh cruel hand, uh, uh, without a pulse i i think that was uh, such an awesome record I, I have to give credit to my old Shit. to my old roommate he's uh the, the one that uh, put me onto uh, your band and um, that's how I, I became a fan so shout out to my old roommate andrew uh but we, we love the song uh factor fiction and oh yeah <laughs> yeah whenever we'd uh, see you guys live that's all we'd want to hear live because that song is so yeah. sick but uh, I, I was just curious, uh, you know, what was that record like? Um, if you can remember, like the, the whole like writing process and it finally coming out. 
Yeah. Uh, Factor Fiction, I think, was the very first song we wrote. Oh, wow. Okay. And it, and it was, uh, so when we started the band, um, it was just me and our drummer, Jeremy Bro, who's actually, he plays guitar now. It's funny. Uh, and we were just getting together to jam and he had written that song. So he had that song already like prepared. And I believe it was like the first song that, uh, I could be wrong. It could be either, either trust me or factor fiction, but I think it's factor fiction. So he came with that song, like ready to go, uh, wrote the lyrics. And then it was just kind of like us, me and him jamming. Um, so I had written at that point, like a bunch of just the music. And so it's me on guitar, him on drums. I'm just like completely at that time. It's like, I'm trying to like conjure up my inner, like Todd Jones Mm -hmm. and just trying to write these, you know, kind of like carry on esque, uh, kind of that like negative posi hardcore vibe kind of stuff, you know, especially like right brigade. We were listening to a lot of right brigade too. So it was like right brigade carry on this band in the red. Uh, and we were just trying to, we were kind of like pulling from, from these places and, um, yeah. And then we had written, I, I guess, five songs at that point. Uh, Nate who played drums in outbreak, he's now coming in and now he's playing guitar. And so now we got a guitar drummer, me and actually Joe Lacey, the bassist from, from Outbreak as well. So I guess it was like, there was a time where it was, it was basically Outbreak dudes, but I think it took a second before we, we all were in the, you know, jamming together. I think at first it was just the two of us, Jeremy and I writing the stuff, like putting it down. And now we were like, okay, come in. uh, Let's bring in Nate, bring in Joe. And we'll show you the stuff and let's, uh, and let's see what we got. And Nate too had written some music as well for, um, for without a pulse and for the demo. So, so, and how'd you guys end up on six, one, three, one records? Uh, Joey, six, one, three, one. Um, he, uh, I can't remember exactly how it, how it went down. Um, how did it go down? Man, I couldn't even tell you. Um, I know at the time, I know Nate was, he was kind of, um, our guitarist Nate was more of uh, uh, the contact for the band. Okay. You know, he had a computer and a phone, like I didn't have shit. And so he's kind of like automatically the dude in place to like make these connections with people. And um, it must've been through Nate because we were all, we all had connections through, um, there was kind of a strong like West coast connection for outbreak. Mm-hmm. Like we were, you know, we were tight with like, you know, we were, we were touring with internal affairs early on. Um, it, we were kind of like brother bands almost even, you know, we were like Nate would play drums for IA there. I had gone to Europe for my first time playing guitar for, for IA and we were touring, uh, you know, we toured the States, I think, you know, a few times and together, maybe not, maybe not like 30 days in the States, but it was like a West coast run or East coast run or something like that. Um, so there was always kind of a West coast connection for us, for us, which is crazy thinking that we're like, you know, so the furthest away that you could be from California. 
you know, literally uh, in the woods of Maine. And now, and we come together and we've got this, like, there's this connection now. And we're like, you know, a connection. Some of the oldest friends that I've had in hardcore to this day, you know, internal internal affairs and guys from California and stuff. It's, it's crazy. So I guess to answer your question, that must be, it, you know, I'm assuming it was Nate. And he probably had a connection there, and and then they put that they put out the seven inch, the demo seven inch, and then without pulse. Okay. Yeah. I was curious because uh, uh, my perspective is always skewed, but uh, sometimes I, I I felt like uh, Cruel Hand was um, underappreciated as a band. Do you ever feel that? Mm-hmm. Uh you know, I feel like uh, we had some like great times. I feel maybe we did have our our like our uh our moment you know was kind of like especially in california like some of those shows in california were fucking the, the like the best shows we would have on an entire tour coming out there uh playing chain reaction and and spots like that and uh we felt the appreciation the appreciation on the west coast was like surpassed what we were receiving in other other places mm-hmm. um but no, I, I see what you're saying. You know, like um, I always wondered if it was like coming from a, like Maine where like, you know, you don't really have that like that huge scene backing you and just kind of like lifting you up, kind of like you start to kind of lose momentum that way. Like, you know, when it's just, I mean, we had like Maine had, had a great, you know, had a great scene for a while and you know, it started to kind of like fluctuate and it feels like, it, you know, sometimes when you're not from that big city mm-hmm. that you kind of need to, um, there's a lot of pressure just on you as the band. And, um, you know, maybe we had lost some, some momentum there, some steam, you know, I know we took an, an entire year off between, I think it was prying eyes and lock and key where we were just like, cause we had toured so hard on prying eyes literally we toured every single month you know whether we're like you know a week-long thing or like a month in europe or whatever we were out every single month for an entire year to the point where we got back we're like we we just kind of like we tuned out for like a year and i kind of wonder if that you know it probably looking back that probably really did affect the band you know we weren't like uh there wasn't I think it was pre Instagram, even where you could take a break and you could kind of like keep up on things, uh, just to, you know, to show the people that, Hey, we're still here. We're still doing stuff. We've we got plans. We just kind of checked out. And I think by the time we came back, I think it was like a different things had changed a little bit at that point. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how I look at it sometimes. Okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Cause sometimes like people would, uh, you know, my friends would be like, Oh, like seeing them a bunch of times. I'm, I'm good. But I'm just like, dude, you're it, that always like boggled my mind. So I'm like, okay, like mm-hmm. this is a band, uh, that's coming from really far, uh, you know, working mm-hmm. hard, never has put on a bad show that I've seen, uh, you know, all, mm-hmm. out of all the videos that I've watched of you guys online or all of the time that I've seen you in person, it, it's always been, you know, high energy, crazy set, you know, just nonstop activity from, uh, you know, you guys on stage and the crowd participating. So 
I mean, it, it, it always boggles my mind when people take bands for for, for granted, especially like in in, yeah. in in real time when they're like you know, yeah. you know just in the middle of their run putting out good music and they think that yeah. they've just had enough. But you know, by the second you guys go away, they're going to be missing you and wanting to see you guys again. Well, well, also like we were we were touring so much that it we we became that band that you could say ah. I'll see him next. I'll see him in two weeks. I'll see him next time. I'll see him, you know, cause we were constantly, we were constantly out there and, and we weren't really like, uh, you know, a lot of those bill, a lot of those, the touring that we were doing, like the, the, uh, what do you call it? Just kind of like the, um, the lineups of those tours were kind of like, we would throw them together and there wasn't a lot of thought put into it. You know, a lot of bands will put, will think outside the box and be like, okay, let's, we got to really build this tour to make it something special to bring the kids out. And, and I think it got to a point where whether it was us or, or, or people that were in our, on our team, our team or whatever, there wasn't a lot of thought put into making these like, those tours like these amazing things you know it was like we would go out and headline tour after tour tour after tour and when really maybe we should have been supporting uh some like you know a bit bigger acts or we were or maybe we should be thinking about what newer bands could be put on these bills to make them more you know as special as as we could so it was kind of like you know, I feel like there was a lot of, uh, we could have put more effort into that part of the, of the whole, the whole tour, the whole thing to make those tour, to make those shows as spe- more special and as special as we could. And yeah, it just wasn't there. So if you can remember, was it just important for you guys just to be out on the road at that point? Yeah. You guys just wanted to be yeah. out there touring? And yeah. I think it was there? like, it was like, we just need to be out. Like we can't, like we don't, we didn't want to be home. And if the offer wasn't coming in to do something cool, we would just create, we would just be like, we'd throw something together real quick. Who wants to go out? Who wants to do it? And we would, and we would put a package together and we'd go out when, um, you know, sometimes it makes more sense to do a tour, go home, you know, reassess, what's going on and make the next package, you know, try to one up each, you know, every package or every tour somehow. And we weren't doing that. We were just kind of like, let's go out. We don't care. And, and, and nothing was there. It had lost its, the magic, you know? Okay. Uh, yeah. And I'm uh, curious, but between uh, prying eyes and lock and key, was it uh, a challenge for you guys to get back into writing since you guys had taken that year off? For me, it was, um, prying eyes was, uh, I would say 90% of those songs were songs I had, I had written on guitar. Uh, and then, so we had come in prepared, we cranked this record out and, and it's, you know, it was awesome. And people to this day, I think really appreciate that record. Uh, when lock and key happened, for some reason I wasn't there as far as, um, as far as that, the, 
you know, that songwriter to be able to pick up a guitar. Like I would, like I was really uh, in a weird place as far as being motivated to, to write music like that for some reason. And, but at that point, uh, you know, Nate had really come into his own as a guitarist. Um, I think even to this day, when people think cruel hand, they think Nate, he kind of had this presence. And so now he's coming in as, as a, into his own as, as an actual songwriter. And, um, he was always kind of more on like the metal tip as well. You know, he loves like death metal and all kinds of that shit. And, and so he's bringing those elements in. And I kind of, at that point was like, you know, I'm, I've kind of like that motivation of, I've, I've lost something, that ability to write, let's let these guys kind of do their thing and see what happens. And I think we wrote a great record. Um, I was still able to like, you know, lyrics are different for me. Um, at that time I was still able to kind of like keep a journal and, and write and write lyrics and, uh, and put stuff down to that, to that music. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a different, um, it was a different process for sure. <clears throat> yeah. And I, I think prying eyes lock and key are probably, uh, you know, two of your guys' best records. Uh, and they're different, but they're very different too. Yeah. You know? There's that more thrash element, you know, even sonically, like we went in, we were trying to like, we were scooping the mids out of the guitars. Jay, Ma, uh, Jay, who was recording us, he wasn't even, he wasn't having that. He's like, these guitars sound like shit. We need to like compromise here and get this, like this crazy, you guys are on this weird thrash fantasy. We need to bring it back. We need to dial it back. And um, so, yeah, like, you know, sonically, very different from from prying eyes uh but yeah like you said i think those are the two records that people really can get behind so uh prying eyes lock and key both came out on uh bridge nine records um but the following album the negatives you guys uh made a, a switch I'm, I'm curious uh why'd you guys leave um bridge nine uh i think we just um you know I think we were kind of, I think we had fulfilled, you know, whatever agreement we had with bridge nine at that point. Mm -hmm. And the opportunity came, um, I can't even remember how the opportunity came, but now we've got this opportunity to kind of, um, to shop around with labels. So we had, we had money saved and, um, we had recorded the, um, Born into debt, seven inch for closed casket. Mm. Uh, uh, this guy um, in Maine reached out to us. He had a studio, and he was like, "Hey, let me let's do this. Um, let's do one or two songs on me. Let me just show you what I got." Uh, like, All right, let's do it. Let's write a song and 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 get in the studio and do it. Um, so we do that seven inch. Now we have the opportunity to work um, to shop to record this new record with this, with this guy right in Maine. Um, Cause we loved how that, how that seven inch came out and how it sounded. And, and now to have a studio in Maine where we, you know, we can just drive like an hour and we can get in the studio and, and go home and do our thing. Um, we have money saved. We've got a studio and we want, we make this kind of like, uh, this decision to kind of like, let's just keep go, Let's push it. Let's push the envelope and see what happens. Like let's write, 
you know, more punk rock sound of shit. Like, le- uh, like, I'll, let me attempt to sing on some some of these songs and see what happens. Let's open the whole record with this punk song and see what ha- and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, what was the question? No, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm, no, sorry. I'm, I was curious I'm, how you guys ended up uh, how you guys ended up at Hopeless. Okay, so so we're shopping the like. So now we have this record, uh, Pure Noise. There was interest there, uh, and there was interest with Hopeless, and um, we went with Hopeless, and they kind of like the deal was with, they were able to sweeten the deal a little more. We needed, we needed uh, money to put into a, to a van, to a trailer and, and, and things like that to keep us out on the road. And uh, they were able to kind of sweeten the deal for us. And so we go to hopeless. And um, I think, uh, I think it was kind of um, maybe, maybe a huge, a, pretty big departure as far as where kids were going to could look as far as where, you know, new cruel hand music, I think. Um, so when that came out, I think, I think it was, it was slept on. It was different. You know, there was a lot of like, like I said, we we're doing punk rock shit, like rock elements and stuff. And, and, uh, and now we're also touring outside the box as well so it was like we were kind of maybe alienating a lot of people that at that point like uh and you know we probably should have been smarter about it like we you know balancing the type of touring we were doing you know we were still a hardcore band we were still hardcore kids but we had thrown ourselves into this into this uh this other world and uh, it was kind of a weird you know I don't know. It was a weird time. It may have done some. Probably looking back, yeah, I think there was maybe some. We had alienated a lot of hardcore kids. I think at that point, kind of weird. I think uh, a lot of kids were just uh, kind of probably thrown off because they're probably not familiar with the label. Or I, uh, you know, kind of uh, saw a lot of kids acting like they were too cool to, to like yeah. cruel hand cause they were on hopeless now where there all these all, you know, like emo bands. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but for me, when I, I saw you guys, uh, make that change and sign to a bigger label, I, I just thought it was you guys wanting to just expand your, your audience and do something a little different. Cause obviously, mm-hmm. um, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, cool for, for bands to, to want to stay in, you know, this like hardcore bubble, stay on these mm-hmm. hardcore labels. But, uh, you know, sometimes bands want to expand and grow. So I, I never followed you guys for, uh, you know, taking that chance and signing to yeah. a, a label like hopeless. When I saw you guys sign to them, I was hoping to see like, you know, some crazy tours. Like I was hoping to see like mm-hmm. cruel hand and like all time load touring or something crazy like right. that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like I wasn't even really super familiar with, with a lot of the bands on the label, actually kind of the, the older uh, some of the older bands, you know, that were doing more kind of uh, punk rock when they were like more of a straight up punk rock label. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it was, you know, you like gutter mouth and stuff like that. Uh, um, and, but the, the current lineup, yeah, I wasn't super familiar and, and, um, but yeah, like you're right. Uh, um, we wanted to expand. We wanted to grow. We wanted to like, for me, that's what being in the band was about. It was about like, uh, like 
not not staying in that in that bubble and just seeing what else is out there and and pushing it um but i could see how it was kind of a polarizing move you know to go from one end completely to the other and to and to think that people weren't going to bat an eye uh yeah looking back you should you know we could have we could have calculated that a little a little better and you know ease people into it a little more i guess yeah sometimes i just feel like people are uh, so afraid of uh change uh, or mm-hmm. and, and a lot of people uh, which is sad uh, you know kind of fall into like this like sheep mentality they're like oh uh you know yeah uh, they'll just hear somebody's opinion on the internet or like on Twitter or whatever. And they'll be all right, cool. Oh like, yeah. That's, that's what it yeah. is when it's like, no, it's like, dude, they're still the same band. They just wrote a, mm-hmm. a, a new record. Songs are still good. Cause I, uh, when the negatives came out, I, I, I like it. I, I still like it to this day. I actually have mm-hmm. a negative as a, a banner somewhere in my closet. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, and even like, I guess we did kind of have this like fuck you kind of mentality being like we're gonna we're doing what we want like we're gonna we're opening this record with pissing spitting and it's just like a like a punk rock song uh so take that and you know maybe we shouldn't have done that maybe we should have hit him with like a like a real hardcore banger which you know there those songs are on there and and ease people in to those other songs th- throughout the record you know, uh, instead of trying to make this statement about it, like, which I, which at the time I think we were doing, and I think it did kind of maybe backfired a little bit, but, but, uh, you know, whatever I wanted to write, I wanted to put together a record that was like, uh, obviously very different from Civ, mm-hmm. but when you listen to Civ, this, you know, say your goals, like if, it's like two records. It's like there's like the hardcore songs and then there's like these radio like pop songs that are on there too, you know. Uh but for some reason it, it works. And uh Walter, you know, he, I, he's a genius and it's like basically Gorilla Biscuits. Um but I I think that was kind of the, a vision that I had. I was like let's like let's weave in kind of the more like rock element music in a way where it still feels like a cohesive like thing and yeah i don't know maybe we just missed the mark as far as that you know maybe it didn't really like hit home the way we wanted it to but i feel like you guys might have just been ahead of your time i feel like if that record came out like these days i think Mm -hmm. kids would probably pay more attention because i feel like uh just the different like styles of hardcore you know um, with like all the different influences coming in i feel like people would probably be a little more open-minded to it yeah yeah for sure i i feel like it always takes that one band to kind of test the waters and ultimately fail at it but then it kind of makes it okay like someone someone did it they took the heat for it mm-hmm. but now like it's okay for us to kind of like dabble in in whatever they were trying to do you know so yeah like that ahead of the, the curve like, i say that all the time honestly like uh but someone's got to be that band you know i guess you know it just sucks that it had to be us 
Yeah, well, respect for you guys, uh, you know, taking that chance and not being afraid of, you know, putting it out and signing to such a, a different label when it comes to, you know, the type of music you guys are playing. Uh, yeah. I, I, I can't remember what year it was. Uh, maybe it was 2014. You guys played This Is Hardcore. And yeah, I think so. Yeah. 2014, I think. Yeah. And that video, like, dude, kids were still going off for, for you guys then. So it's just like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So th- t- to me, um, when, uh, you know, kids were turned off by your guys' like, decision to go to Hopeless, I was like, I was like, no, this is this is crazy. So when I watched that, this is hardcore video. I'm like, okay, that, th- this is what a cruel hand show is always like. Yeah, dude. I feel like in those those settings, you know, it uh, it would still like it would go off still for us. Like, and and um, unexpected. You know, I I didn't expect those kind of reactions at that point. And uh, for the children, the same thing we played the downstairs room mm-hmm. like the smaller stage it was one of the fucking coolest shows i, I remember ever that. you know i was like what the fuck is going on this is amazing so like i realized that you know those kids are, are out there still like um you know maybe we're not the cool band to come into the cool city and have that awesome show but when we're in a setting like a festival somewhere those kids are going to come out, you know, from their little, their little towns or their places or whatever. And they're all going to be there like going hard for your band. Mm-hmm. Like, so like, yeah, that, that was like such a cool feeling to see like, yeah, this is hardcore for sure. I think both those sets, uh, both years we got to do that. And then yeah, for the children too, like, like damn, like it, it, it like, it gives you hope, you know, it's like, it kind of rejuvenates that you know the band uh and you know it's a morale boost for sure especially uh yeah when you're not sure you're just unsure you know and you get to play those those shows and they're fucking awesome so i totally forgot about that for the children's set till you just mentioned yeah. it because i remember yeah I, I was uh in the crowd and there were people like jumping off the staircase just to get down to, Dude, to the set yes yeah, it was awesome. It was it was the perfect show. It was the perfect room. See, I was so glad we got bumped. Some something happened, and now we're downstairs, and and it was the it was like the best thing that could have happened to us that day to play that area and to play that room and that you know the smaller room and have that reaction. It was fucking awesome. It was like the it was perfect. Yeah, it was like kids jumping off the stairs crawling ever falling into drum sets it was amazing yeah, yeah. i would i, I remember that. my friends and i being confused we're like wow why is cruel hand playing down here this is and, yeah. and we all knew right, all right we got to get down there because this is going to be one of those moments where shit's going to go crazy because this band shouldn't be playing down here and <laughs> even though that they are like I'm, we know that kids are going to flock down there and it's going to go insane because nobody's just going to not show up so I, yeah. I just remember like how crazy that was yeah Oof. love it it's wild okay uh I, i'm curious because you guys uh played uh like self-help right yeah yeah can you talk about like what those experiences were like because i've uh, been to those before uh, mm-hmm. uh worked it selling merch and it was a terrible experience but I'm, I'm just curious like what it was like for for you guys to play <laughs> in like that kind of environment uh kind of a different crowd. yeah um you know at that time we were kind of working our way um, to uh, 
just to warp tour, I guess we wanted to be, we wanted to get a warp tour and we were willing to do whatever work, you know, whatever we thought, uh, you know, the guys that were in our corner thought that we should do, you know, the label and, and other guys like agents and stuff that were vouching for the band. So we're, you know, and at that time it was like, I was done saying no. I was like, I'm like, let's start saying yes to things and see what happens. And she's like, let's say yes to everything, whatever. Uh, and so, yeah, now we're, we're playing, uh, like that festival. Um, it was, I mean, it was cool. It was cool. Like, I think when you're playing like these, these, um, these kind of these bigger events, uh, kids are just stoked to hear music and to see it. Um, regardless of if they know you, how well they know you or whatever, uh, it's less of that kind of cool guy mentality. You know, you wouldn't be there if you were like had that cool guy mentality, but there's also the hardcore kids are there as well. You know, maybe there's not a whole bunch of them, but there's that kind of gray area hardcore kid who likes a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And, and, and they'll go to events like that or they'll go to warp tour. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I had, uh, I can't say anything bad about, about the event. Uh, it's cool. It's, you know, I feel like, um, I feel pretty comfortable in, in the kind of a bigger setting anyways, you know, uh, it feels less, uh, there's less pressure, I guess. Okay. Um, you know, obviously I love the fucking, the real deal hardcore show. Um, but you would think that these bigger events like that, um, there's a, there's, uh, you would think there's this uncertainty or this pressure, but I don't know, that kind of goes out the window for me. I just feel like something, it, it feels like it feels different. You know, I feel like I've transcended everything and now I'm this different thing for these people on in a in that big that bigger setting i don't know it's weird so yeah i mean the same thing with work tour you know it's it's the same idea like you've got people who have no idea who you are hundreds of people but then you got also that kind of that gray area kind of hardcore kid fringe hardcore kid who is fucking so stoked to see you and he'll make you know he or she or whoever uh will make even the most awkward settings like worth it you know to know there's someone there rallying for you and and uh yeah i always found that uh you know like going to warp tour or uh self-help uh whatever like hardcore band was playing that was like the cool band that you had to go see because they were like, mm -hmm. you know you guys were like the standout uh you know like genre wise versus like the rest of the lineup so when you guys were on that bill i i, I know that a lot of people were like okay we have to go see cruel hand because they knew that you were like that that lone like hardcore band that was there you know yeah yeah and you wanted to be there for to to rep you know to yeah to represent your, your shit or whatever and a warp tour you know the same thing there were so many hardcore kids who were working the festival mm -hmm. that even if you were playing, we were playing at the end of the night, cause it's kind of, it's like a weird raffle thing for warp tour. Like, uh, you could play at any time you could be cruel hand and you could be, you could be headlining the stage or something. And, uh, you know, you feel like 
the band playing on the Titanic as it's going down because it's like mass exodus. People are just leaving. Yeah. But the hardcore kids who are working the festival and touring, uh, touring on it, like they get to come out and now they have like a show, like a hardcore show kind of thing. Yeah. Like, you know, obviously this huge stage or whatever outdoor setting, but now they get to, they get to be part of, uh, they get to have their own, you know, yeah, their own hardcore show there for like for 45 minutes or whatever. Um, so that, that was always interesting to see that whenever that happened uh, and to see the, the camaraderie there, you know, in those big settings where uh, the hard, you know, the hardcore kids or even the bands that were, that actually played their instruments, you know, cause there's a lot of bands who just kind of like they hit the track and it's just like, yeah, you know, it's over the PA at that point. Um, if they know that you're the real deal and you're actually up there playing your guitar, like there's a mutual respect for the, for you, for you and, and those people. So I had never even been to warp tour until we had played it. Oh, wow. You know, it was, you know, it wasn't really something that I had really, I didn't really have any interest there, but, um, yeah. So my first experience with warp tour was actually was touring it and we did it in a fucking van, you know, and, and it's overnight drives every night. Uh, and you know, we brought, we brought our buddy Mickey to, to drive. He would get a hotel. We'd bring him to a hotel. Um, well, we'd get to the, we'd get to the, the, um, the fairgrounds or whatever. We'd, you know, 7am we'd all, we'd, we'd wake up. He'd been driving all night. We'd set up our tent, set up our merch, all that shit. Have you done it? Uh, yeah, I, I worked war poor. Uh, okay. not like the whole thing. I, I just did like the, the Southern California dates. Okay. Yeah. So then we, so we would set up, yeah. we'd get all our shit together, set up, you know, do the gear. And then we would drive our driver or he would drive to the hotel, kind of a hotel. And then we drive back to the, to the fairgrounds for the rest of the day. And then he'd sleep all day. We'd pick him up at the end of the night and he would drive us to the next show and we'd all be sleep i slept shotgun for like 40 days oh wow that's which, which is actually pretty doable for some like somehow like i in, i enjoyed sleeping shotgun i would just you know tilt back on my sleeping bag and i could like i could go the whole night it was great sleep i had i had some great sleep on that tour <laughs> sleeping shotgun when you guys played uh, warp tour uh, like what was your preference on like time of day that you would like to play oh dude oh my god you don't want to you don't want to because like i think some of those some of those set times are as early as like 11 i think mm -hmm. 11 so you don't want to be like the first band like you know you're like groggy or you haven't eaten lunch yet or something and now you're you have to perform and and yeah it's like people trickling in you know um that's the worst and then you don't want to be for us anyways you don't want to be like the like the end slot either people are leaving it's weird you want to be right in the middle of the day you know mm -hmm. like between i don't know one and four o'clock or something like that but um it's fucking hot you know it's crazy hot too you're just like you're searching for shelter we don't have a bus you know everyone all the other bands are for the most part are, they, they live on these buses and there's ac and it's just us like every day searching for that place on the fairgrounds where we could like get a moment to just just chill in the shade just chill and uh you know we're all like in the merch tent like 
just huddled in there and or you're in like the catering trying to like get some time in there it's dude it was it was crazy in a fucking van for dude it was wild glad i'm glad we did it though i'm glad we could it was on the bucket list mm-hmm. bucket list you know we checked it off yeah i i, I worked uh the the second to last year i was doing merch for uh, like a bigger band that was on like main stage and it was uh it was so annoying because we we um we had a, like a double wide tent which we didn't even need because they didn't have that much merch mm-hmm. but for some reason they requested a double wide tent and like we were yeah. right by main stage so i had to hear every band that played on main stage which sucked because <laughs> yeah. yeah like you know my friends and i we'd be able to like hang out and talk um, but that was only in between bands because when the bands were playing, it was just way too loud. And mm-hmm. like, uh, and somebody had started like a rumor that the the band that I was working for was doing like a meet and greet. So like all day, kids were just coming. What time's the meet and greet? What time's the meet and greet? And it's like, dude, there's, uh, dude. there's no meet and greet. Dude. Go away. <laughs> yeah, man. Crazy. Um, I found myself for the majority of the time just in the merch tent just selling, you know, there'd be a rush after the set usually. Mm. And we got to, you know, that's where we'd sell the majority of the stuff. And then I'd end up just pat, like falling asleep, set, like in the tent with my mouth wide open. And there were, people would take pictures of me like asleep. <laughs> there was like a weird hashtag of, like that's about weird. me sleeping in the tent, like going around. Um, yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. But I'm glad you guys were able to you know, get that off uh, your your bucket list because uh, yeah. tour was uh, definitely uh, fun and interesting for you know for what it was uh, when I was around. Oh, it was a great experience, great learning experience. Just yeah, man, for sure. Okay, so uh, 2016, you guys put out uh, your world won't listen. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you talk about that record? How do you feel that was uh, uh, you know uh, taken in by the the hardcore crowd? You know. Uh, I fucking, I thought that was, you know, if we had missed the mark on the negatives, I feel like we hit personally, we, we hit the nail on the head with, with your world. Listen, I felt, uh, we recorded it in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Dean Baltalonis, you know, it was real quick, you know, about an hour from, from where I'm living. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I thought it was, I, th- I think at that point it was like we were able to write the songs that had those, you know, it was less of like, okay, that song's like a uh, uh, punk song or that song's whatever. Like we were able to incorporate the elements into not every song, but like into most songs had like, instead of being like, you know what I'm saying? Instead of being like, this is that song. Uh, this is a hardcore song. This isn't it. This is like, it was all, um, it was more like, like a, like a cohesive thing. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, but at that point too, like, okay, so we did warp tour. I think that record came out right after we were, we were promoting the record on warp tour. So then the record came out in September and, and, um, the opportunity we didn't really have opportunities to tour really anymore at that point like i think our uh andy our booking agent he didn't want anything to do with us anymore at that point uh people were kind of jumping ship we had a few tours booked uh our our manager 
we had a manager at the time he left um i think people had lost hope in the band or something mm-hmm. um which is a shame because i fucking i love those songs i think those were i like i said like if we miss the mark with the last with the negatives i i feel like your world and listen was was uh was more focused um and yeah i think uh It's a shame that we didn't get to do uh, to to, sh- to to do more with the record to get out there and, and have the opportunities to tour and to, and to show that record and to and to you know hardcore kids were kind of already off us at that point I think a lot of a lot of hardcore kids were maybe mm-hmm. um, you know because they you know they saw what we did with the negatives they're like ah this ain't the same band anymore um, and so people didn't even really I could be wrong I think you know. Maybe people did know that record was out. Maybe they didn't. It felt like it, it went under the radar to me anyways. And I'm not personally the best person to promote my, my shit either. I don't know. I always felt weird about like pushing that stuff and promoting it. And, um, and, uh, yeah, it's kind of a bummer, uh, because I, I love the record. Um, I don't know. How did it feel like as like a, as a, for you, like as like a hardcore kid who was out there, like, did it feel like the record kind of like, it did it just flow by? Did people like have an idea that, that there was a record coming out or how did it feel to you? Uh, for me, I was happy that you guys were still, you know, chugging along after the, the yeah. negatives. Cause, uh, like, like I know a lot of my friends, uh, kind of jumped ship and just kind of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like moved on. But I yeah, was, yeah. but for me, I I always uh, still paid attention because you know mm-hmm. I'm going from without a pulse to year old won't listen. I was just like, dude, this band's still awesome. I don't understand why people are sleeping on mm-hmm. them just because uh, right. you know, they signed to some you know uh, emo label or whatever. Uh, right. It's just like, dude, <laughs> yeah. it's not it's it's not a bad thing. Like there's yeah. there's there's good bands on that label. Cruel Hand's yeah. still a good band. So uh, yeah. I just I don't want to badmouth the label. I never I mm-hmm. you know I won't, and I'm not. But I, I do hear that, what you're saying, I hear that from a lot of hardcore kids to mm-hmm. say like, um, because of the because of the label we got on and maybe the way it was promoted or, or, or what, like that there was a huge turnoff for these kids who, uh, who were like, ride, who would ride or die for you. Yeah. And now you make this jump and it's like something happened there where it was like, it was like some serious, um, they're in, you know, insulted really that we can do that and go that direction and, and to like, to, to play, uh, to, to write records and, and release records on, on hopeless. It's just kind of, I guess my problem is that, is that I would never turn my back and just like dump a band for that reason. But that's, that's me. And maybe I was projecting that on people and be like, how could you, why would you do that? Like, no, that's what people do. Yeah. People do, people do, people are capable of doing that and will do that. And will say, fuck you forever until you die because of what you did. And, uh, just because I wouldn't do that doesn't mean that these other people won't. And, and I, and I had learned over the years since then to take myself out of the equation and, and start looking at things uh, from the other, uh, from the, their perspective, and less of mine. 
you know, and I'm not saying like writing music for them. Like I write music for me, but if you're releasing music and you want to be somewhat successful with what you're doing, you need to keep these people in mind. And, um, cause those without them, what, what are you? You're, you're nothing, you know? So I had learned a lot since those, since then for sure. And, um, uh, I had written, I guess, um, also with your woman, listen, I had written a lot of that music and I started writing a lot of, you know, of, of the music. Uh, and, um, and I feel like we, you know, we opened the record strong, you know, a fucking, just like a, a hardcore ripper. And then we start, you know, you start listening to more, you know, you get deeper into the record and yeah, we start to like show you those other elements, but it wasn't like just a polarizing boom. Here's a fucking smashing pumpkin song for the opening track. You know, it wasn't like that. It was like, this is a fucking hardcore song. And yeah, then you'll get the fucking Nirvana song late in the record, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think at that point kids had already jumped ship, which, which is a bummer. Yeah, it definitely is a bummer because you got to think about like cruel hand is, you know, cruel hand. There's never going to be another cruel mm-hmm. hand. So the fact that people mm-hmm. are just so, uh, you know, like so um, ready and willing to just to give up on it just because you guys made some move that they didn't uh, like appreciate or whatever. That's just like it just blows my mind. And it's just frustrating yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's crazy looking back at it. And yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And it was like it was crazy to come off that tour to warp tour, have this record to, to, uh, to thinking that you're going to start touring and promoting it. And then, and then not have, uh, those people in your corner anymore. And not have a booking agent, not have a, uh, management, I guess. And, and now being like, Oh shit. You know? Um, also we didn't even, we like, I forgot to mention that with the negatives, uh, the original lineup left the band even at that time. So we had recorded the negatives. We were shopping around. Hopeless was interested. And then dudes were like, you know, the OG dudes, mm-hmm. Nate on guitar, like Cam on guitar. Uh, like, I think maybe our drummer, I'm not, I'm not sure if Nate was on drums. Anyways, it was like, there was, and I was kind of stubborn too at that point where it was like, I'm going to do this with or without you like fine leave and we had like we started bringing in a couple people and and we continued to to tour and it just the vibe was kind of always for a while like the vibe was just like it was weird it wasn't the same band so i get that too like if kids are seeing you and they're like this isn't cruel hand i don't know who this band is yeah you know and so that was like that was a weird time it was like uh to the point where I was so stubborn. I was like, let's keep going. Fuck it. I don't care. Go, 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 go. Uh, and then we were able to establish a lineup that was actually like felt, felt uh, good for the most part. And by the time your woman won't listen came out, we're writing, recording that I'm writing lyrics that are like you know, dead eyes watching. you like the, the universe is telling me to stop. I don't think that I'm smart enough. Shit like that. Where I was like contemplating my whole, ex- the whole existence and, and my whole uh, part in, in, in this whole thing. And like, uh, 
you know, what, what's happening? What am I doing? Um, and yeah, eventually it just kind of like we did, we took halfway through 2016, we had done, we had made the decision to, to be like, let's take a break. Like something's not really working and working out here. And I was able to join Terra at that point. Okay. I, I was going to ask about that. Um, cause okay. I, I was trying to remember if you guys uh, just went on a hiatus or if you guys actually broke up. Uh, no, it was never like a breakup. Like it was just kind of like, it was like morale was low. We came, you know, we came off warp tour and it was, uh, it was fun, but it was like, like I said, we had, you know, management, booking agent, uh, just overall like show morale and like it was, it was as low as it could, it could get. And we had, we had a few more tours booked into the fall and, uh, out in LA, I think it was, it was the judge show in LA. We got to, uh, cruel hand got to play that. And, uh, I, I can't remember when that was, if it was the fall or, or closer to winter, but it was the last tour uh, terror was on a hiatus. Um, I think David had just left the, on base mm-hmm. and I had asked Scott, I was like, what's going on? Who's playing base? And he was like, do you want, you want to do it? And I'm like, fuck yeah. You know? So, and it just so happened kind of like right time, right place. You know, cruel hand was at this low, low, low place. Um, and now I'm uh, have this opportunity with terror and you know, I'm in this right before that. I'm like, what am I going to do with the rest of my, my life? This has been everything up until this point, uh, you know, play music and touring. Like, what am I going to, what am I doing? And now I'm, you know, I make this connection with Scott and, and now I'm with terror. And I, I think I had, after that tour, I had actually, I don't think I, I don't know if anybody knows this, but even in the band where uh, it was like a secret. Like I was like, okay, now I need to tell the guys that, you know, we should take this break. Some like, I think we were there already there anyways, mm-hmm. but it was like, okay, I need to like, kind of let these guys know, like, let's take the break. Even though I've got this other gig that I'm be jumping into, I wasn't ready to like tell them that, but it was like, let's take a break. Let's, uh, you know, we're no longer this full-time touring thing. Uh, we all know and feel like that we're in a pretty low place with the band. Let's just, let's not force it anymore. Let's take a break. Um, everybody agreed. Meanwhile, I have this, you know, I'm not yet in terror, but it's like the, we're starting to talk about it. And, uh, you know, they're kind of like, they're not sure yet if I'm the right fit or, or like, you know, they're kind of checking the references kind of like other, you know, you know, friends of ours who also are touring Zach from Bain, I know got hit up and, you know, just see what's up. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, then I was, you know, I think United Blood 2017 was my first show after practicing for months at home, just like in my living room. Uh, and then 
flying in or driving to Richmond. They flew in. We had like one rehearsal for like an hour in like a practice space in Richmond. And then we played United Blood the next day. And that was it. So, And then I think it was Europe right away. It was just kind of crazy. Life is crazy. Yeah, I, I want to put a, a quick pause on uh, Terror real quick. But um, in 2017, uh, did you guys, uh, uh, Cruel High, did you guys do a, a tenure for w- Without a Pulse? Uh, did we do the... I don't know. Because I'm trying to remember, because I, I feel like you guys did some sort of celebration for that record, you guys. We did like a Prying Eyes one. Um, Just like... Wait, did we... We did a prying eyes like like a like a ten year ten year anniversary like East Coast tour, but um, I don't think we ever did like any kind of like event for Without a Pulse. I I you know honestly I would like to re release Without a Pulse. Um, okay, I would like to like uh, you know reach out to Joey, see what his thoughts on that, on that would be. Uh, he has no idea that I'm even talking about this, but I think it would be cool to like, to see some sort of reissue of some kind. Um, yeah. In some, some shape or form, it would be cool to like, I think it's time, right. you know, we'll, whatever. We'll put it out there and hopefully, um, you know, whoever's listening, put it in the universe. Yeah put it out there and hopefully we'll make it happen. Um, okay. Yeah. But go, going back to terror. Um, okay. uh, when, when I started uh, listening to terror and seeing them live, I always felt like um, whoever was playing bass, um, like I, I always felt like it was like kind of like a, like I was always curious if it was like a prerequisite to be like a singer <laughs> of like a good band. Cause mm-hmm. when I first started seeing terror live, you know, Carl from first blood was on uh, bass and then, yeah. uh, you know, and then seeing Dave Wood, you know, things were dead mm-hmm. nothing. And then, you know, moving on to you is just like, okay, like that, that, that's crazy that they're able to kind of keep this trend going, um, whether it be like intentional or unintentional. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, they've been, they've been lucky with that, I guess, uh, to always have, uh, you know, someone step in and be able to fill the shoes that, that, that had been left there. I think, um, I don't know. I don't know if it's like, I think just with the connections that they, that terror has, you know, there's always going to be someone willing, uh, to be of like, to be of like a certain caliber to be able to step in, you know, and, and it won't be too, you know, that'll never be too hard for them to kind of, you know, people are, they would love to be in the band and, and, uh, you know, rightfully so. Like it's a, um, it's been a trip so far and I'm fucking lucky to have been able to, to be where I was at to, to join with them. And, uh, yeah. And David left some, some big shoes to fill for sure. Like front, you know, and he was able to bring that front man thing, uh, to the band. And I, I think it's funny cause now you got me the front man, I guess, stepping in and bringing that energy, you know, to the band too. And how has it been uh, playing for Terror? Because I, I feel like Terror is just such an awesome, like, legendary band, and especially uh, being from California, I, I love that band mm-hmm. so much. So, yeah, I, I'm curious what it's like for you to, you know, be in that band and kind of get thrown right into it. You mentioned you went from LDB or excuse me, not LB, uh, uh, United, Blood United Blood to uh, Europe, which is, uh, you know, crazy to think about. Dude, it's it's for me 
uh, hardcore will always be about fucking sweating and jumping and fucking like jumping, you know, stage dive with my bass and like, and just like, it's hardcore for me. If I'm playing in the band, it's never going to be about playing in a hardcore band. That's like, it's never about just standing, standing there and, and doing nothing. Like, so stepping into terror is the perfect. Uh, it's just perfect for me. It's like, it's where I can get like, for me, like I get to be the hardcore dude that uh, on that stage that I think uh, Tara requires, you know, I feel like Tara requires that level of energy. I feel like uh, personally, you know, and I think I can, I'm there for a reason and I'm going to bring it to that level and, and I'm up there and, and, uh, me and Scott, we have fucking stage dive competitions during the set, you know, you know, he'll get two in and he'll get in my face and be like, oh, I'm too up on you, you know? <laughs> and then you feel like you got to like, you got to like, st- like, uh, one up them and I got a fucking base, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know, one day maybe I'll get to play music where I don't have to sweat and I don't have to jump. But until then, I'm going to fucking love every minute of it, playing, it, you know, hardcore and playing in terror. That's what it is, you know. Uh, but, yeah, it's fucking great. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> and, I, and it sucks being off the road for, for as long as we have been at this point. Almost a year, I think. Dude. Almost, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming up on it. It's, it's insane. Because uh, yeah. nobody thought it would last this long to be honest. Yeah. So it, it's pretty yeah. shitty, <clears throat> but I mentioned LDB earlier. It just totally slipped out, but uh, I, I was curious. Uh, so, you know, cruel hand, uh, you guys kind of uh, went quiet, but you guys mm-hmm. played LDB. Uh, can you talk about how uh, you guys were uh, approached to play that? And um, was it easy to get the guys together together to, to play the fest? Oh yeah. Yeah. Because we had already been, um, we'd already done a couple like, uh, you know, a week or two, you know, week, two week runs at that point. I think we had gone to Europe, uh, with knock loose mm-hmm. at that point. Um, uh, excuse me. We had been pretty, we had been active, um, at that point. So it, it was really easy. Plus by way, he plays in fuming mouth. Um, guitar and cruel hand guitar and fuming mouth and and he was already out there and and it was just about you know accommodating getting everyone flights and getting out there and and people were stoked to fucking do it uh you know it's just like um it's just like a fun you know honestly it's like a side project it's like a studio project it's like a side project and when the opportunity opportunity when the opportunities are there and the time is there like we get out there and we do it or if someone has got a song, we'll fucking get in the studio and we'll do it. Like there's no real pressure. And that's, I like that. I like not having the pressure and um, just to be more of like a passion project, I guess, you know, you'll see releases. You may see us occasionally on the road, but it's, um, there's no pressure to do, to like, to be like a super active band, you know? Hmm. And so uh, now I want to talk about the the new record that that's coming out uh, this Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I, I was curious uh, how long has that been in the works? Because obviously uh, nothing really happened in 2020 with you guys. And mm-hmm. uh, here we are, uh, you know, the end of January. I'm, I'm just curious uh, how long this has been in the works. Uh, well, uh, it all kind of started with Jay Reason. Um, he sang in uh, a band called The Distance, uh, Bridge Nine. Uh, and we were, you know, the distance and outbreak before cruel hand, we were kind of the same, like, like, like touring brothers, you know, and always stayed connected ever since. Uh, Jay has always been still releasing music, even, even with Ryan from outbreak. I think, uh, they're, they've always got projects going and, uh, Jay's got his own stuff. And when Tara was on the Haybreed tour, um, the Connecticut date, I ran into him. I think that was 2019 or 18. I don't know. 2019. And, um, we, and he wanted to, he had this idea for this new label called static era. And, uh, he used to run, uh, stillborn records, uh, with Jamie, Jamie Josta as well. Uh, he was kind of like, he helped, uh, uh, was stillborn. So he, and he's been releasing music ever since. So like, you know, there was a lot of trust there already with his capabilities as someone who could, who could release music. Um, he had this idea like, yo, let's, uh, what would, what would you think about me signing cruel hand, getting you in the studio? Let's do a release. And I was like, I was kind of be- bewildered at the time to think that someone had, you know, someone had this hope or, or, or this idea that, um, that uh we had any gas left in the tank you know Mm -hmm. to be able to go out there and 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 put something out that kids would be stoked on and he was like dude fuck it like let's uh let's get in the studio and before we even got in the studio and started writing for the record we wrote a song called never be whole and he helped me put that out on like my own label i guess cheap life records and i had just like we had when the studio recorded one song and through with his help he kind of um got me in touch with the pressing plants and and coordinated all that and and uh when we went to europe with knock loose i had brought like a stack of these records and and this was something we were promoting on that tour uh we come home from that and now it's like we start getting the ball rolling for this release that he wants to do. It's going to be his first physical release for the label. And uh, he wants to get us in the studio with Zeus, fucking, you know, the legend, you know. Uh, another kind of like a bucket list, you know. Uh, and we're like, yeah, let's fucking do it. We crank out. We start We start working on some music. We got... Uh, Oh, before that, we, we did Weeds. We did the Weeds cover, the Life of Agony cover. Mm-hmm. So we do Weeds. He puts that out digitally, and it's kind of like a <clears throat> precursor to the to the music that's um that's to come for the physical release. So it's kind of like yeah, that got such like a like a, a good response, and it was like kind of like you know, there's no screaming, there's no mosh part. It's like literally just like basically. Uh, as close to the song, the Life of Agony song as we could get it, you know, me like singing, singing throughout the whole song and it didn't get the backlash. So it got like, I'm like, oh, maybe this is a good, 
like a good thing. Maybe like, you know, let's, this is kind of a precursor to like what, to elements we're going to use on these new songs. Maybe it won't be such like a, like a, a polarizing thing. If they know like we're straight up singing this song and playing it as if like the agony we're playing it. Um, let's go in the studio and write this new music and just uh, let's write the music we want to write in that same kind of trajectory in that same direction we were going, you know, that same, like, it's still fucking riffs. It's still cruel hand riffs. It's still fucking heavy, but we bring those elements, whatever punk or rock or whatever you want to call it. Those like the clean, clean vocals. And we bring them to the songs. And now we've got this, we're working with Zeus and as a producer, he's helping us, like, fo you know, focus in on the songs and kind of reel us back in where we wanted to even go further in that direction than maybe we should have been. He's helping us reel us back in, and and uh, and I think the production is fucking awesome. Like, it's some of the greatest like production. Like, I think it's the production that I've always wanted for the band. Honestly, it's like uh, it's fucking heavy. It's clean. You know, I mean, this is dude. This dude's been. He, you know, he's producing Hatebreed records. Like he did terror. He's done like the list goes on and on and you know, it's fucking heavy and it's clean and it's, uh, and we're fucking, we're really, really stoked on everything, you know, even like the whole, the artwork and everything like, yeah, man, we're fucking psyched. And I'm uh, curious if you can talk about the, the single that you guys released, uh, dark side of the cage. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's like a perfect. Um, I think like the reception for the song has been great just because kids are like, oh shit, this is kind of like the cruel hand that that they had come up on or something, mm -hmm. you know, where it's still like there's slight elements of like, of like uh, some vocal melody, but it's not like straight, clean, you know, sounding stuff. Uh, and I think it was a good first track to drop for the EP. I'm not saying that those elements aren't going to be on these other songs. I'd be lying, but I think for the, for a first track, I think it's fucking heavy and it's like, uh, yeah. And I think it's, I think it's the cruel hand that people had, had known for, you know, from years ago, but obviously current and refreshing and i think it's some of the heavy I, I think it's heavier than any any heavier than any heavier sounding than anything we had ever done up to that point i think so i'm stoked i don't know yeah when i listen to it i'm like okay this uh it's kind of like a good reminder like okay cruel hand still has it because when i listened to it i was like okay this is like really refreshing i'm like this band um, you know, can still write good music because, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I jammed the single and uh, I had me excited for the record. Hell yeah, dude. Um, yeah. And the artwork, uh, Jose from misery, the singer. Oh, okay. Uh, he did, he did the cover art and he did it on like, on like a fucking weekend notice or something like four or five days. He was able to, I think it was like, I don't know if it was completely painted hand brought, <coughs> um, with a brush, or there's some digital elements or whatever, but uh, he did a, I, I thought he did a great job of, of just kind of taking the title dark side of the cage. Um, and where I was coming from, you know, you know, I was kind of explained to him the idea of, uh, you know, a cage 
in a dark place where you, where your heart once was dark side of the cage and obviously playing off of dark side of the moon, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. but, uh, I'm not even like a Pink Floyd fan, but, um, yeah. And I think he was able to kind of like, yeah, bring that all together for the art. Uh, Jay reason. He's a one man operation at his label static era. And he designed, you know, he did the entire layout. He's been pumping out all the graphics and everything. Uh, it, to promote the record, um, dead serious recordings in Germany. They have, uh, he's licensed it to them for a release and they've got their own, um, their own, uh, colorways and, and shit over there as well. Um, so yeah, I think the whole, like whatever the rollout or whatever for the record has been great. You know, when you have someone, when you have one guy, who's just like in one band, who's willing to just, yeah, that's, you're his focus. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not kind of like jumping around with different releases. I mean, Jay's a busy, he's a busy man. He, he also runs, uh, you know, an actual record, brick and mortar, you know, record store of the same name, Static Era. Um, so he's doing that and, he, and, and everything else he's doing, but he's, he's focused on us. The rollout's been amazing. Everything's coming together. I think it's as far as a release, um, as a whole, I think it's the best, the best uh, rollout that we've ever experienced, honestly. And the and and uh, you know, reaching out to different uh, in Europe, different publications, and and uh, we're getting interviews over there. You know, we're in this era of the podcast. You know, this week I've got two other two other interviews, and uh. <sighs> What else? All kinds of shit, man. Like it's been it's been really cool. Like a real like uh, hands on experience, and yeah, I'm stoked. We yeah, it's fucking cool. Hell yeah, and I, I'm glad that you know you guys are getting all this love with this uh, you know new record coming out. You know, it's, it's awesome mm-hmm. to hear that you guys are getting uh, you know love um, you know internationally, and the fact that you guys are uh, you know staying busy and uh, doing podcasts because that's like you know like a new form of media. Uh, with yeah, yeah, yeah. these days so yeah no it, it, it's super cool for, for me to see and you know like i'm that's a big reason why i, I wanted to have you on because i'm a you know, longtime supporter of the band and when i heard you thank guys you were, man already had no problem but when i heard you guys were putting out a new record you know i, I wanted to do uh, whatever i could to to help you know push and promote that just to you know kind of um you know remind people like hey like cruel hand's still a, a good band uh, they got a new record mm-hmm. coming out and, and uh, people should check it out mm-hmm. yes dude thank you man we appreciate that like you know, um, like, you know, like I said, like, it feels like a passion project, a studio project. We didn't really have like, um, we didn't know if there was going to be like a huge, like, uh, what the response was going to be like, if there was going to be support from anywhere, anybody, I was like scratching my head, you know, Jay wants to put us out. Like, and just the overall response has been, it's been great, you know, you know, especially after going like starting off just being like, whatever, we'll get in the studio. We'll do the songs. I don't care what happens or who likes it. And the response has been pretty cool so far. And it feels like it's rejuvenating the band in a way it sucks that there's no shows to kind of like, to like, to really get out there and, and, uh, and kind of like, take the momentum to the next level yeah but but maybe like it'll you know when that happens in the future there'll be kind of like this re uh 
a rebranding or whatever you want to call it of of the band and maybe kind of like those uh those darker years maybe will have been swept under the rug or something or maybe we could forget about the those those times not about the records like i think those songs are great but maybe like whatever you had felt about the band during 2014 2016 let's like let's move on from that like we're the band that that uh like we want to be that band that 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 uh you knew us as like back in those days you know like we can't take those things back that we done but like you know we're older now let's let's forget about that i'm sorry that we we did that to you but like yeah or or go revisit the music and i realize that it was always good yes that's what i like to hear exactly right Well, damn, Chris, this is this has been so awesome, and I, I seriously want to thank you so much for taking the time to to do the podcast. Uh, I, I seriously like re- I really appreciate you coming on and just talking about just the whole history of Cruel Hand because this has definitely been like a special one for me. Dude, I thank you for having me. I'm sorry if I had like like rambled on in different directions or or jumped the timeline in oh, different ways, fine. but that's fine. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you can, we can make some sense of it, but um, yeah, man, thank you so much. Okay. But before you sign off, is there anything you want to say or shout out? Uh, shout out to static era records. Uh, please, please, please look them up Instagram uh, or whatever. And, and check out the record. It's an EP. It's a 12 inch EP. Uh, and I think it's some of the fucking coolest sound of shit that we've done in a minute. And yeah, fucking right. All right. Well, thank you guys again for tuning in. And this has been a fun one for me and we'll be back soon.